Oh, okay. So as we get started, I just want to share with everybody because I told you I would repeat it. I'm going to repeat it twice. Uh, Jordan was like, "Is this meeting so Jeff can yell at us?" Uh, and I thought it was pretty funny, but I, I wanted to be clear about why we're having this meeting and and why we're not having this meeting. As far as I know, there is no problem that we are trying to fix. As far as I know, there's no, oh, we can never let that happen again issue that we're trying to say, let's fix. But it's a good idea for us to have meetings like this and talk about what we're doing and uh, and how best to do it. And so we're all kind of on the same, we, we're, we want to be on the same page. So that's, that's kind of why we want to have the meeting. Uh, and Jordan just prayed that we could uh, better serve God in what we're doing. And that's really what we need to understand. We are serving God by serving his church, serving his people. And, and it is something that is that is an aid. It is a worship aid to the people of God when we lead prayer uh, in church, when we read scripture in church. And that's the, that's the things we're going to talk about. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk more about prayer, leading in prayer, but... Uh, when I got to seven pages of notes, I stopped because I was like, well, we, we need to not go on and on and on and on. But you guys are smart enough to take the things that we talk about prayer and apply them to the reading of scripture as well. And you'll kind of see what thing we're talking about. So we'll look at some scripture to begin with. So we'll turn to the book of James uh, chapter five, James five, then we'll go to Luke and Ephesians. Uh, and in James chapter 5, I want to do, I, I want to read this and kind of get it in our heads, but I also want to do just a little bit of uh, hermeneutics while we're here. James chapter 5 verse 13 is where we're going to start. It says, is anyone among you suffering? And verse, first words of verse, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Now, I'm going to present to you so that you can listen to this with this with what I'm about to say in mind and check my hermeneutic. There is a sickness being talked about, and what we're going to read is a guarantee for healing of that sickness. Now, if we're not going to be the faith healer people that say we can absolutely have a guarantee of healing physical illness then this sickness has to be a different kind of sickness and I believe this to be sin sickness so as we read this you see if you what what you think about that is anyone among you suffering verse 13 then he must pray is anyone cheerful he is to sing praises is anyone among you sick then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, they will be forgiven him. Pause. Does anybody wonder why I think this is sin sickness? It's, it's a guarantee he will be restored and his sins will be forgiven. I think that's what's what's being spoken of here. We can talk about that more later. That's not really where I wanted to go. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, 
fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would rain, but that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the skies poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So that is James chapter 5. Uh, speaking of prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will be the thing that we'll refer to again. Luke chapter 11. The Gospel of Luke chapter 11. I don't think, I think I was going to go back in here and put in Matthew, uh, where we have Matthew and, and the Lord giving the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, but we have Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke 11, 1 through 13. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and what we have here is a little, a little different version than the one we, we recite. That's the one from Matthew. Uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, and this is still speaking on the subject of prayer, verse 5. Suppose one of you had a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend... Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Verse 9, so I ask you, uh, I'm sorry, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you, uh, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. We'll read verse 13 through 18 from Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Familiar passage on the armor of God. Therefore, Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the day of evil and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. 
and take the helmet of salvation. Now, up to that point, we've got all defensive uh, armor. Now he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that's offensive. And verse 18, we have an offensive weapon with all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So these scripture texts we will refer to uh, as we as we look at prayer. I want to give you the resources that I have used to kind of prepare and collect notes. And now you'll know why I stopped at seven pages and could have gone on. John Gill, uh, his Body of Practical Divinity, Book 3, Chapter 5, is called Of Public Prayer. So we have this as, as a resource. And then John Bunyan wrote a, I'm going to call it a booklet, uh, it may be, a, it may be, I don't know the difference. I don't know the breakover point between booklet and book, but uh, it's just called Prayer, and it's available if you're interested at Monergism Books. Uh, it's a free PDF download. Uh, there are many other resources that could be addressed or could be referenced to, but these are the ones that I used. So um, we just want to talk about what it is to lead in prayer, and we need to understand the differences in prayer and the differences in praying privately, praying silently, praying without ceasing. Some of you know what it is to pray while you're driving down the road. There's a difference there between that kind of prayer and praying, leading in prayer during a worship service. Uh, Gil points out various sorts of prayer. He speaks of a prayer of the heart or what he called a mental prayer. It's a prayer that's not out loud. It's not audible. Uh, it's a prayer, he says, without the motion of the lips. Uh, this prayer can be offered quickly. This prayer is not a prayer that you have to prepare for. It's a prayer that comes in the moment. It's a prayer that comes as soon as you hear a doctor's diagnosis or as soon as you hear some news of bad news to pray and ask God for help, good news to pray and thank God for his goodness. This kind of prayer uh, can be prayed in a crowd and no one else knows that you're praying. This is the prayer of the heart or mental prayer that, he, that he's, as he called it. Uh, this, this type of prayer is referred to in Romans 8, 26. It is silent, uh, silent prayer, but there's also a type of prayer that is a heart prayer that is not silent, but it is not intelligible. Here's where I'm getting to. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Maybe you know what it is like to need the Lord and not even have words to say, not even know how to express what's in your heart. Deep grief. That, there are different ways that this could be, but this, these two things, inaudible and maybe an audible with with unintelligible uh, noise. I'm not talking about the crazy stuff we see on TV. I'm just talking about that time when I can go to the Lord and all I know to say is, "Ugh." If that if that helps you with what we're talking about, um, this is heart prayer. Gil says there's private prayer. 
prayer offered when a man is alone and by himself. And that may be silent prayer, or that may be out loud prayer. Sometimes that is helpful. Put me in a room and tell me to pray silently with my head bowed and my eyes closed, and you can start your stopwatch on when I will be asleep. <laughs> depending upon the day and depending on the time. Sometimes, even when you're alone, praying aloud is helpful and good. It is, it is a conversation with the Lord, and it sometimes it's helpful and good. There's prayer which is audible, it is heard, and it is, it is articulate prayer. This prayer is heard and understood by men as well as the Lord. Uh, and out of these types of audible and articulated prayer, there's social prayer where two or three people, well, I guess I would say this, two or more would be gathered together and, hey, let's pray. And that is a social prayer. There is family prayer. Uh, Gil says this, family prayer is led by the head, head and master of the family. Joshua set a noble example of this type of family worship, and he refers to Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, it is reasonable service, this is uh, Gil continued, it is but reasonable service since family mercies are daily needed and therefore should be prayed for, and family mercies are daily received and therefore thanks should be uh, every day return for them. So we've got social prayer, we've got family prayer, and there's public prayer. Prayer performed uh, in bodies and communities of men who meet in public, who unite and join together in divine worship, and particularly, this is what we are speaking of tonight. For prayer always was made a part of public worship. That's Gil. Prayer was always made a part of public worship. And I have a few examples here, although I am going to try to hurry through these. Genesis 4. When we get to Genesis 4, that's the first time that we see family prayer. We read this. Men began to call on the name of the Lord. What we believe is, is there. Men began to call on the name of the Lord. Families grew to the point uh, th that there was, no, there was no longer a small group. This is where families grew and there were enough families that now we have this point of public worship that began. Fam uh, men began to call on the name of the Lord corporately in worship. Uh, public prayer continued under Moses. In the tabernacle, prayers were offered as sacrifices were brought. Uh, then in the temple, both the, both the first and second temple, prayers were part of divine worship. Public prayer later was offered in the synagogue. You'll see this in Matthew 6 when Jesus refers to prayer. And he says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. He's giving an example of how to pray. He's not saying don't pray. And he's not saying don't pray in public worship. He's saying don't pray like these hypocrites who do this. Um, and then prayer... Uh, when we pray in Sunday school and we pray in our worship services, this is this is what we're talking about tonight. So, as we talk about prayer, it's important to remember the object of prayer. Perhaps you've heard someone pray, and they start out praying, and then before you know it, they're talking to the people of the congregation. A prayer that turned into a sermon, 
or a prayer that turned into a plea or a prayer that turned into something else. We need to understand prayer is prayer when the object of prayer is the Lord God. God is the object, the hearer, the, the intended audience, if you will. Uh, the triune God in his three persons is the proper object for prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is lawful and good to address all three or individually each one. When Jesus gave us the model prayer, our Father who art in heaven. But we have other examples through the New Testament where we can pray to Jesus. There are no examples in the New Testament of prayer offered to the Holy Spirit specifically and individually. We don't have an, an actual example of that. But here's the thing. We are to pray to God. That is clear. We have examples of prayer to Father and examples of prayer to the Son. Uh, example of prayer to the Son. I don't know if anybody's thinking uh, of, of one. Stephen prayed, Jesus, Lord, into thy hands. I commit my spirit. Uh, so that's an example there. Uh, so if we take that, we can pray to the Father, we can pray to the Son. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. I, I almost pause with the word part. <laughs> because y'all know how we have to be when we speak of the triune God. The Holy Spirit is God. God of very God. Uh, and when we are to pray to God, we basically take from that that we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 1 Peter 1.17 uh, is calling upon the Father. Uh, John prayed, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's a prayer to address to Jesus. Uh, and, oh, another, another justification or reason why we believe we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Remember Ananias and Sapphira when they had that land and they sold that land and then they lied. They lied to Peter and they lied to the church about how much they got for the land. But Peter didn't say, you lied to me about this. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. So there is an addressing there. Now that's a bad example, but there is an addressing of the Holy Spirit in, in that. Um, now you will note, if you pay attention and listen to my public prayers, that I am partial to praying to the triune God and naming triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, it's a reminder to us of our Trinitarian doctrine and what the Scripture teaches. It, it doesn't set us apart from everybody, but it sets us apart from some dangers and some errors that we don't want to fall into. Uh, I am not suggesting to you that all your prayers need to be to the triune God. You can pray Father, Son, and Spirit as appropriate. Um, but there you go. So all of these are appropriate and are good to pray to God, triune, or to pray to Father or Son or Spirit. Questions so far? Comments? No? Parts of prayer. <clears throat> Celebration of the divine perfections. Agil, Agil again says, again, Gil says, it is proper to begin with this. We should declare the name of the Lord to whom we pray and ascribe greatness to our God. We should begin with some 
one or other of his names, titles, expressive of his uh, names, titles, expressive of his nature and relations, uh, and of the relation he stands in to us as his creatures and new creatures. I fumbled through that, but I hope you got it. Not only as his creature, and I think we pray in both of those ways. We pray and express uh, how we are in relation to him as his creatures and as new creations in Christ. Uh, we do this to increase our affection to him. We do this to strengthen our faith and confidence in him. And we do this to raise our expectation of being heard and answered by him. So we do this for many reasons, and, and, and that's, uh, those are good things. So celebration of the divine perfections. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's, that's what that is. Um, another part of prayer, I'm not saying these need to go in order. And by the way, there are, some of you know things like, oh, if you look at your hand, you can count the things. Or if you take the word acts, A-C-T-S, there's different ways of learning to, to do prayer. The best way, if you want a, a model, I just gave away the best way. If you want a model for how to pray, memorize the Lord's Prayer, and that is a great model. The Lord taught us to pray in that. Um, but but we have celebration of the divine perfections in no particular order. Acknowledgement of our vileness and sinfulness. Acknowledgement of who we are. Again, guilt. We should come before a pure and holy God under a sense of the depravity and pollution of our nature and of our unworthiness to be admitted into his presence and to worship at his footstool. Now, I want to add to that, if we're acknowledging our unworthiness to come before him in prayer, why are we coming before him in prayer? Because Jesus, right, and what he has done, now we have another opportunity to extol what Christ has done and what God has done in saving. We have another opportunity to praise and worship him in that. Oh, uh, Confession of sin, sin nature, original sin, and indwelling sin. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to distinguish here between the sin that we inherit from Adam. Do we confess that? Yes. And the sins that we committed, we confess those as well. Uh, our, our confession speaks of confessing particular sins particularly. So we, we confess particular sins particularly. Uh, and the deprecation of all things evil. All things evil. How do we do that? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're we are addressing, that's an example of denouncing all things evil. Another part of prayer, another, another uh, piece of how we pray, is petitioning for good things. Temporal mercies, Sustenance for our bodies, comfort, support, preservation of life. And this is found in the Lord's Prayer as give us this day our daily bread. And it's not just bread. Man does not survive on bread alone, right? We need a lot of, th there are many things to ask for. Even on the temporal realm, there are many things to ask for. Uh, and when we are leading in a corporate prayer, it doesn't mean we have to ask for every individual need. 
We don't have to pray for Jeff's sickness and Taylor's sickness and Michael's sickness, but we can pray leading in prayer for those who are sick. We may mention their names. We don't have to go into great details. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Um, Thanksgiving. There are always blessings and mercies for which to be thankful. And we need to be thankful people. And as we, uh, I, I fear that we are not thankful enough, that we need to be reminded. And as people who lead God's people in prayer, we can remind them to be thankful by praying in that way. Uh, and then closing a prayer uh, can be with the use of doxologies or ascriptions to the glory of God. Um, there are many instances of this kind of thing in Scripture when we see um, I, the words come to my mind, to him who is, and then there's so many different prayers that you can fill in to, to him who is able, to him that, that you can fill in with the doxologies and ascribing glory to our God. Um, so, I want to give you plenty of option, opportunities to flag down and say something or ask questions. We have examples of prayer. We have already read a few uh, passages of Scripture that speak about prayer. Particularly from Matthew and from Luke, we have the model prayer from our Lord. And that model prayer is an example for us. There are many other prayers in Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament prayers all over the place that we can go to. And we can, we can break those prayers down and see how they're structured so that we might build our own prayer in that same model, in that same way. Or we may lift some of the language, some of the words from a prayer and use those very words. Uh, think of using Psalm 51 where David prayed uh, after his sin with Bathsheba, Bathsheba. We may use some of those very words when we pray. And, uh, and, and that's, that is a good way for us to pray and to build our prayers. Um, the Psalms I don't know of any Psalm I just thought of one that may not be appropriate for leading in public prayer you know we want <laughs> those imprecatory Psalms with you know bash the baby's heads against the rocks we may not want to be praying that out loud in public on the, although <laughs> rightly understood we need to love those Psalms but putting that forth publicly without what goes along with it. Uh, do y'all understand how that might not be a great idea? That's how that we need to be careful. Um, okay, so so the Psalms, other parts of Scripture, uh, written prayers that we may find. And I was going to bring my copy of Valley of Vision. Did anybody bring a copy of Valley of Vision? Um the, who has a copy of Valley Vision? I know Aiden does. He just posted a picture of it. You got one? That Valley Vision is a book. Now, if you look at the pictures online, you'll see there's a paperback version. You'll see. I, is that out of print? Does anybody know? It's available. It's readily available. I, I, oh, but but that's available. It's also available in a leather bound. If you want to, you know, shelf and sell up some bucks, spend some money on one. Uh, 
Valley Vision is a collection of Puritan prayers. Pastor Brent has been using that, reading some of those Puritan prayers in our worship services. So you'll see. Um, using prayers from Scripture and even using prayers like Puritan prayers from Valley of Vision, these are good examples and good, good for us to use. They help us. Uh, I want to talk about the benefits of some of these things. They can help us in our prayer vocabulary, in our prayer vocabulary, to more accurately express theological statements, to more accurately express what we're trying to say. Um, I, I don't know about y'all. Have you ever, I, I did this early on in my prayer life. I would pray a prayer that was sincere. We're going to talk about that. Is sincerity important? Absolutely. Sincere from the heart. I'd pray a prayer. And then later I learned something and I go back to that prayer that I prayed and I'd have to say, well, that, that doesn't hold water theologically. It was a bad prayer. And, and we need to be informed that we might pray better, that we might pray well, especially when we're leading in prayer. Now, now, you know, I'm glad that the prayers that I prayed that were so horribly wrong theologically were private and nobody heard that. And I'm not going to share it with you because I'm, I'm embarrassed about it. We'll, we'll stick with good theology, but, but we need to be better informed, better vocabulary and more accurate theological expression. Uh, maybe you're thinking, is that right? I don't even know if using Puritan prayers or using a book like Valley of Vision is a good thing. Well, these two guys both thought they were good to you. It was good to use Valley of Vision, specifically speaking of Valley of Vision. These guys are called uh, Sproul and MacArthur. Sproul and MacArthur. I don't remember where I saw this or came across it, but they were both talking about, oh, Nichols, I think it was Steve Nichols. Is that his name? He did a uh, he did a podcast that was like in your library, and he did this with Sproul, and he did it with MacArthur, and in both their libraries was Valley of Vision, and he would they pull a book off the shelf and say, "How is this book important to you?" And that's when he pulled the book off the shelf. I think it was in that that he pulled off. James Dolezal's All That Is In God and I scrolled at it and he said that's the best book that's been written on that subject um, high praise for a young man to get that from Sproul that's not what we're here to talk about Valley of Vision was on their both of their bookshelves and they both said yes I use that particularly MacArthur said it helped him especially in his younger days remember he's an old man especially in his younger days it helped him to form the, the words and the, and the phrasing of prayer so that as he used that, it, it helped him to better pray without that aid. It, it, became a, it became training wheels, if you will, for him to learn how to pray better. Uh, now, I will say this. I use Valley of Vision prayers. I came across something not too long ago in the Valley of Vision that I said, I'm not saying that. I don't think that's right. Valley of Vision is not an inspired book. It's, it's prayers written by men. And I read it, and I here's the thing that I can't say. I don't know what those words might have meant to that man who wrote them that many years ago. But what I interpreted and heard them to say, I said, okay, I'm not saying that. So even then, it might cause confusion, but, but I do use those prayers as well. Um, so how to use 
prayers, Valley of Vision prayers, how to use those kind of things, how to use scripture prayers. Uh, sometimes we might just read a prayer from a text of scripture or we might read a prayer from a book like Valley of Vision. Sometimes we might do that and sometimes that is okay. Uh, I think it is better for us when we are leading God's people here at Waco Family Baptist Church in prayer to personalize and contextualize those prayers. If that is scripture or if that is a Puritan prayer, I think it's it's okay to take a psalm and to personalize and contextualize that psalm in prayer. Does that make sense? Um, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, never mind. I just thought I was going to give you an example, but that's the next paragraph. Uh, so we want to we want to personalize and contextualize the prayer, uh, or fit the prayer to the current circumstance. And I just did that for Psalm twenty three, and I wrote it out here. Um, and so, so this is this is one way. This doesn't mean I would do this in these exact words every time. I just took Psalm twenty three; it's familiar to us. And I wrote this: Jesus Christ, our Lord. The reason I did that is because I brought to Psalm twenty three my study, and I preached Psalm twenty three not very long ago. And I believe the Lord is my shepherd is a reference to Jesus Christ, not just the Godhead in general, but a reference to Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep. I don't have to prove that to y'all. That's why I put that here. Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the shepherd of your sheep. Because you are the good shepherd, we have no lack for any good thing. You see what we're doing there? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I didn't just say those words, but I have I brought it to maybe a little more hearable or, or something that's not so familiar. We're just going to ignore it. But we still got to listen. Yeah, we don't lack for any good thing. I'm going to keep going. You lead us to the green pastures and still waters which nourish and refresh us. Lord, we acknowledge your leading and we ask for your continued leading. We need you to guide us to righteousness and lead us in the paths of righteousness. And do it so that your name may be glorified. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I, you see what I'm doing? I'm taking that psalm and I'm contextualizing it, personalizing it so we can say, and by the way, the Lord is my shepherd is a personal psalm. The Lord is not our shepherd. That's not Psalm 23. But when I'm leading in prayer publicly, I'm praying the Lord is our, I'm praying this in a, in a corporate language. So I've changed that sometimes. Um, oh, I also have done this for uh, a valley of vision, which if I had brought my copy, I was going to get somebody to follow along, and I didn't. Um, so I'm not even going to read this. I did the same thing with a valley of vision prayer, just taking the language that was there. Sometimes in a valley of vision prayer, I have to look up a word and see what that used to mean, and then decide how I want to express that, if I want to express that. Now, let, me, let me just read this. Lord God, you are preserver governor, savior, and coming judge. We ask that you would soothe our spirits as we come before you in prayer. By your spirit, keep us from being swayed by our sinful flesh. All of that is a rephrasing and a rethinking of whatever was written by that Puritan so long ago. And if I'm not mistaken, it was written in first person, Lord, me, my, I. And I've changed it to we, us. 
Now, I have this written here just so I can share with you. Impress us with the power of faith. Well, I scratched it out. I don't want to say that in my in the prayer that I'm leading. I don't want to say it. So I just, it's okay to leave that out. It's okay. Even if I'm praying a psalm and I'm praying today about this thing, I might want to skip a piece or skip a thing or do it. And, and that's okay. Um, oh, create and grow in us a spirit of uh, the spirituality of mind that motivates us to serve you and bless our service to be a delight and a benefit to us. This was the statement. Render our service acceptable to thee. Render our service acceptable to thee. Now, here's the deal. Maybe he meant through the blood of Jesus Christ, but maybe he meant all the things that would have to be said to make that a right statement, a good statement. But I just said, you know what? I'm not going to say this that way. Either I'm not going to say it that way or I'm not going to say that thing. I'm taking these prayers that serve as a model and an example and I'm contextualizing and personalizing them and using them for that. Questions? Comments? Anybody freaking out about how dare you take someone else's words and pray? Yeah. So this is also something that you could write out ahead of time? Thank you for saying that because I just I wrote it out. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I think Cruz and I had a conversation about this a long time ago about the appropriateness of writing out our prayers ahead of time. I'll give y'all a little hint. When I come to the pulpit on Sunday morning to do the first the first thing, the opening, the uh, call to worship, my program doesn't look like your program. I have the scripture that I'm going to read printed out in, in large font so that I can see it with my old eyes. The, the whole scripture text printed out in large font. I have the prayer that I'm going to pray Print it out. Now, since I'm going to have my head bowed through that prayer, that doesn't have to be as large a font, but it's going to be in a font that I can read and pray. And I will have every word. Now, as I'm praying, I am not bound to that, that when I find out something, you know, that Jordan needs special prayer this morning for a thing, that I'm like, sorry, dude, I already wrote my prayer out. We'll have to pray for you next week. I'm not bound by that, right? Well, I can I can change that. I can add that. I can include. And even as I'm praying through that, uh, in that moment, I may be able to um, to be spontaneous in prayer, and my spontaneity in prayer is going to be better because I planned well. Does that make sense? I, maybe y'all have been to a, a start to say a church, but you know this would apply to a rock concert or or a, any kind of any kind of publicly put on thing. Uh, you ever go and you think those those bands that are playing that music are doing all these things and they're telling those funny stories? That was the funniest thing he said. He said that the previous twenty three nights that he did that same performance, he did the same. And how do they all know? to end on the same note at the same time. How do they know we're going to repeat this chorus 42 times, but now we're getting to the end? Well, it's because the guitar player lifted the neck of his guitar. Boom! Or because he turned to the drummer. And he didn't have to say anything. He could keep singing. There's something there that is playing so that they can do that. And when we see it, we're like, those guys are awesome. It's so spontaneous and, and free. It, it's not. It's what... 
the man who taught me to lead worship called planned spontaneity. Here's the spontaneity we're going to plan. And sometimes we leave it out. And sometimes we change it up. But if we plan, we are much better at, at changing, at shifting, at moving, at making, at making things um, where they need to be. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm not telling you I want every one of you to write your prayers out. But I would say I would encourage it. I would suggest it. Now, I will say this. Someone prayed in our church not too long ago, and it was just the words of that prayer were so, I don't know how to say it. They were so well put together and expressive. And, and I, I just was like, man, I don't know how long that guy's been planning that prayer. But it was, it was moving. It was, it was exactly, and I went and asked the guy, like, did you write that prayer out? I mean, I was wanting a copy to have it framed and hang in my office. You know, that kind of thing. It was a good prayer. And he said, no, that was off the cuff, off the top of my... So hear what I'm saying. There's a place for that. Um, here's what I know. I am better having written my prayers out. Um, and maybe a la John MacArthur, if I'm using Valley Vision and I'm using scriptural prayers and if I'm writing my prayers out... Maybe when I'm 70 years old, I will be a better spontaneous off-the-cuff prayer than I am. Maybe, maybe we grow into that. that. You know what I'm saying. But there's, first of all, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with writing our prayers out. One of the things that it does for me is it keeps me focused on the task at hand. And I want to get into that. It, it keeps me focused. If I'm writing a prayer out for... Lord bless this food. It keeps me focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be asking God's blessing on this food. If I'm asking God's blessing on the offering, if I'm asking God's blessing on the word that's preached, if I'm whatever we're doing, it keeps me focused. Or, uh, hey, what did we do at the beginning of this thing? Jordan, will you open the prayer and pray for this person, this person, this person? There's a task, and now that was. But, but he could keep up with, okay, this is what I'm doing here. That helps me when I can write those things out. It's not every time, but many times it is. Questions about that? Okay, uh, we're getting here. We're on page six. Consider, we've talked about prayer in general and leading prayer in public. Consider the particular circumstances of the prayer. Gill says the manner in which prayer is to be performed is worthy of attention. Uh don't take the word performed and be offended by that. The manner in which we are to do the thing. To do that, that's what he means by perform. The manner in which we are to be praying is to be considered. It is worthy of attention. Prayer must be, we just read from James, praying in the spirit. Prayer must be in the spirit, offered in faith, fervent or impassioned, zealous, and sincere and honest. Now that's a tall order, isn't it? We need to understand praying in the Spirit does not mean we use different languages or unknown languages. Praying in the Spirit means uh, that we are praying with the Spirit's movement, with the Spirit's uh, work in mind when we're praying. By the way, that's another reason to keep us close to Scripture. If I'm praying and using words that are Scripture words, 
I'm not going to get far off base. I, I, I'm still not saying that I can't mess it up, but, but I'm not going to get, I, it leaves me less opportunity to get off in the weeds in what I'm saying. So, so praying in the spirit, praying a prayer offered in faith. We're not pray. Why would I pray things I don't even believe? You know what I'm saying? The Lord, uh, I'm supposed to say here, please save the lost people that are here today, but I have no hope that you're going to save anybody in this place. That, that's, that's why we pray like that. That's we don't, prayers offered in faith. Fervent, impassioned, zealous, the, the fervent prayers mentioned. That does not necessarily mean that prayers are offered with loud voices and a red face. <laughs> fervent prayer could be quiet. It could be a whispered prayer to be fervent. But we should have uh, some moving of our spirit in praying. And then sincere and honest. Uh, that's why I can't just, uh, it, it, and I said this at the beginning, it may be okay to read a prayer from Scripture or from Valley of Islam, something like that. It may be okay to read that, but it's not okay if I haven't read it ahead of time, is it? How am I going to be able to say, I am sincerely praying these words and I'm leading you to pray these words, but I have no idea what these words are. I just, no. In order for it to be sincere and honest, I need to have thought through it. I, I need to have worked through it. Uh, if you think about it, singing in church, and that's a form of prayer. Singing is the same way. Jeff teaches us a new song. The first Sunday, I'm like, well, we barely got through that. But I'm, I'm watching those words, and, and I'm, okay, man, I, I don't know that I caught all of verse 3, but I caught verse 2 and verse 4, and I, and I really like this and that. When I'm learning that song and when you're learning that song, we're going to be able to sing that song fervently. We're going to be able to sing that even if it's a quiet song. We can sing it with all our heart because we are sincere and we're honest with what it's saying and what it means to us and us expressing those things. Leading in prayer, leading public prayer should dictate certain things. Leading public prayer should dictate certain things. Personal, intimate, and inappropriate details should be left out. Uh, I never, as a person, ask the detail. I never, as, as, I never ask a person. I wrote as a person. I wrote this down, so I want to read it. I never ask a person the details of their illness or their surgery. If you tell me I'm going in the hospital on Thursday, I'm going to say, I will be praying for you. And if you want me to know why you're going in the hospital, you're going to have to tell me. Because there has been too many times that I have asked someone, so what's going on with you? And they told me everything. <laughs> and sometimes that is, sometimes that's okay. You know, I'm going in to have an ingrown toenail removed. Okay, that, that's, that's great. Sometimes those details are beyond what I need to know. Now, here's the truth of the matter. I know that we've got a couple of ladies with us. I will come a lot closer to asking you guys what you're going in for than I would ask a lady what they're going in the hospital. Just stay away from that. Uh, if they want me to know, they will tell me, and, they, and I don't need to know. Um, but I have even had that with some men that I'm like, yep, that's more than more than I wanted to know. That's that's a lot of detail. Uh, those details certainly don't need to be brought out in public prayer. 
those details, we can pray for Brother Jones, who's in the hospital, without going into the details of what Brother Jones is in the hospital for and how he got there and the stupid thing that he did to get him to. Those things don't need to be discussed. They don't need to be in a public prayer. Um, we need you to guide. Okay, wait, I lost my page. Oh, there we go. I found it. I caught up. Pastor Todd, while, while yes, you're sir. looking at that, um, I just want to point out too that we need to be careful that we live stream a lot. And yeah. even though we're not being very personal, we're not asking too much Wednesday night or even on Sunday morning, we need to be careful about how much information is going out on the internet in that prayer request. Absolutely. Uh, and that goes for anything we say or do in front of the camera. Uh, because here's the deal. What we know tonight mm -hmm. is Andrew is watching. Hey, Andrew. But I'm not going to say Andrew's last name because how many other people are watching? I don't know if y'all are aware. We have people who watch our Sunday morning worship services uh, from other states and all over the state of Texas. We don't know all those people. Uh, so, so we do need to be careful. There are things that are appropriate to pray for, and we can do that by not using last names or by not leaving in those details that don't need to be said. Um. Public prayer should in some ways dictate our vocabulary. I just put here that some things need to be left out, like certain antiquated vocabulary. I'm going to read you what I wrote here. I will not give the specifics, but I will say that just this week, in reading an excerpt from John Gill out loud to Stacy, we had a laugh about the thought of using his vocabulary in this very class. It brings a smile to my face even now because there are words that used to mean... I've got some examples. Okay, let me read this. Oh, we had a laugh. Okay, mm -hmm. bottom line, the meanings of words change over time and we need to be careful that what we say in prayer does not distract from the praying. So examples of this. Gay used to mean joyful and happy. And that, that used to... It don't mean that anymore, does it? So when we read that some ancient preacher from another day wrote about how wrote about our gaiety in Christ, we are not going to, brothers, say that in public prayer. We're not going to bring that in. Uh, another one. I had another one. Oh, Jesus rode an ass into Jerusalem. Another word that probably should not come into our public prayer when we're when we're in that. Does that make sense? Now. There's nothing wrong with that, is it? It's King James. Absolutely, nothing wrong with it. But think of think of how we are helping people to pray or how we may be hindering them. I had a good friend when I was at First Baptist Church in Hempstead. I was the music minister. And uh, David Dalt was the uh, mustachioed sound man. And he said, I see this. He was more faithful the other sound guys didn't show up or they showed up late and they were just bad at it. This guy, unpaid, showed up faithfully and did a phenomenal job at his job. And he said, I see this as a ministry. I'm not preaching the word and I'm not leading people in worship, but I know that what I do on that soundboard can help or it can hinder. And I want to cut out, I mean, you imagine feedback in the middle of the service that's a, that's a distraction. 
And he knew, hey, what I'm doing here, I can't make people worship, but I can try to cut out those distractions. And sometimes our vocabulary, um, there, there are so many, when I get together with my preacher buddies, everybody's always got a story about, you would not believe what somebody said in church and prayer. And, um, you know, those are funny things about, but when we get serious about prayer and leading prayer in church, we need to know that sometimes antiquated vocabulary needs to go out the door. It would be better to pray in the vernacular. By the way, y'all know what the word vernacular means? Do you? Okay, so it's okay for me to use that word, but I might not use that word. If I'm going to use that word in a sermon, I'm going to say it would be better to pray in the vernacular in the language and the vocabulary and the, and the expressions that everybody's familiar I'm going to repeat it and say it in a way that everybody's going to know and maybe somebody just learned what the word vernacular means we need to also be careful that the words that we use are um, understood there are words, propitiation I don't know another word for propitiation I don't know a way to I don't know a way to say propitiation without taking up 15 minutes to say it <laughs> But, so there are some words we can't get rid of. Justification, sanctification. I mean, there are some words that are that are Christian vocabulary. We don't sacrifice those. But when we can say something in a more simple way that will be understood by the, the whole congregation, it would be better. Allow, and this is something I need to learn tonight, allow the circumstances to set the time slash duration of our prayer. Though we don't have a time limit on our worship services, there are limitations to worship, and to people in prayer. What are those limitations? Bladders, backsides, and babies. That's the three Bs that I wrote down. Bladders, backsides, and babies. Uh, that We have to remember that for the total of the worship service. And i got to tell y'all, I've talked to our pastor. He is not going to cut his sermon short, no matter how hard we try. So we just need to remember that I'm praying before the offering a 22-minute prayer Probably not appropriate. We need to we need to, to you know rein that in a little bit. Keep prayer focused on the matter at hand. Uh, sometimes, hey, would you bless the food? And you pray around by grandma's house, and we we remember time. Then it's okay. But man, sometimes we just need to. I, I've been trying to do that too. By the way, when I pray at the beginning of my sermon, I've been trying to say, Lord, bless this. Now let's get on with it. I've been trying to cut it short and and just kind of get to the matter at hand. I think we got to remember that. Make sure what we're there to do gets done. Have you ever prayed with somebody and they're going to bless the food and they pray and they pray and they pray and then they say amen and you're like, did they ask God's blessing on the food? Did they thank God for the... We didn't even mention the food. We prayed about so many other things. We need to make sure that we're doing what we need to be doing. A led prayer that leaves people hoping it will end is not helping. I thought he would never shut up. <laughs> that doesn't help. Okay, last thing in my notes. Physical appearance and mannerisms can be distracting, off-putting, and may prevent the congregation from entering into real prayer. Maybe some of you might know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If you were looking down, you missed it. I'm not doing it again. Oh, uh, yeah, there are just things that we need to be careful of. Uh, can I say this just to everybody here? And this is not because I've seen this or it's coming to mind. The day that I know, Brother Jeff has texted me, emailed me, called me and said, can you read scripture and read and, and lead in prayer? 
that's probably not the day I'm going to wear my dirty jeans or my shorty shorts or my Crocs. That's probably the day that I want to look present. I want to look like at least like I'm going to a business meeting or something. Uh, you know, at least at least something presentable. Uh, we don't have a dress code, and we are very lax in our in our dress code at church. Uh, so I'm not saying, hey, I want everybody wearing tuxedos or three piece suits, that kind of thing. Uh, but we do want to be we do want to be careful with what we wear. With uh, what else about clothing? Uh, clothing, hairdos, mannerisms, picking noses, and I mean any anything can be a distraction. If you know, I mean, scratching your ear is one thing, but scratching your ear the whole time, anything can be a distraction. We just want to be careful about that. Um, closed hair gestures. And I would add this. I, I don't know of anybody in our church that does this, but in the churches that I've grown up in, I've seen this a lot of times where there becomes a phrase or a word that is that is repeated as a time, as a, as a, uh, to buy time. Sometimes it's just, God, if you will just listen to us just now, we will just do what you just did. Would you just, just, just? Sometimes it's a just, sometimes it's Heavenly Father. Is that a good, Heavenly Father's a good thing to say in prayer, good address for our, but if Heavenly Father is every other Heavenly Father word that we Heavenly Father say, then we need, so we need to work on some of those things. Uh might be a thing. Somebody might be thinking, is he seriously telling us not to say, uh, this guy that we have to listen to? I, I know how difficult these things are, uh, and and I'm not saying we need to be perfect, but uh, but we need to work on. I, I'm working. I might not be working very well, but but we're working on. So that's the end of my notes. Did you have anything you want to add? Just a couple of things. One is in line with the same thing as pacing. Sometimes yeah. it might be nerves. You try to relax and speak clearly. And take your time to say what you have to say. Both in reading and praying, yeah. Yes. And uh, pacing. A moment's silence, yeah, pacing. A moment's silence is not a bad thing. Right. There's, I mean, it's, just, it's an example. There's a famous opera written by the composer Debussy. He wrote an opera called Pedel Similison. And usually in opera, when it's a love scene, they're just yelling and screaming and they go on and on about how often they love each other. But this opera, it comes to a complete halt, and he just says, you can, and he moves on. And that's probably it's so powerful because it's a moment of silence when he simply speaks, I love him. So, you know, pacing and timing are important. And I I try to let everybody, whoever's reading, I try to let you know on Thursday so you have a couple of days to read it through and yeah. look at it and get comfortable with it. And like you would say, look up the words you're not comfortable with, try to figure out pronunciation. And uh, just really be comfortable with the passage so that you can enjoy the process yourself more when it comes time to read it. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brent read a text that had a bunch of names in it, and he read it like a pro. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and there are some people, Jordan's an excellent reader. Mm-hmm. Oh. Adam, some of you guys are great at reading. I stink at it. When I became a preacher, the one thing I was like, I'm going to have to read the text. <laughs> I'm going to have to read a passage of scripture in public. It it freaks some of us out. Uh, but we need to practice. We need to look it over. We need to. And and even if you are a good reader, 
don't just rely on that. Jeff said, I send it out so that you have time to read over it. Let's just say this. Read over it. <laughs> read over Read over it. Make sure we do that. Um, my, my biggest help that I get when, when I'm going to read past, especially with names and stuff, is the ESV app or the whatever app you got. They, there's an audible version. You can yep. listen to it. You can hear what those words are supposed to sound like, what those names are supposed to be pronounced like. Yeah. You know, if you read through it, yeah, but listen to it as well. Yeah, and if you go to YouTube and type in Psalm 23, somebody will read that to you. I mean, whatever that text is, somebody will read those things, audio Bibles. Uh, and when I told Brent the other day, because I was saying, man, you read that, named all those names. He was like, man, I don't know how to pronounce those. I said, well, you did it with confidence. There's, there's something about doing it with confidence that, that, that works. Um, okay, any other questions, comments? Let me say this. Um, it is a blessing to the church to have each one of you reading scripture and leading in prayer. It, it is a blessing. And uh, I want you to know that, that, that you are appreciated in that way that you are serving God by serving his church. I also hope that you would say it's a blessing to you. I, I hope that it is a blessing on your part as well. Um, it, it, it should be a privilege to us to take any part in in the worship of God, and especially this is a this is a kind of a leadership thing. It's a leading, we're leading people in prayer. We're leading people as we read the scripture, and um, it's a blessing. Okay, we're going to be dismissed. I'm sure there are other things that could be said, maybe that should be said, um, but I stopped it. How many pages of notes that was? Um, I'm just, everybody here is, I've been, I've already read, maybe Darren and Aiden, you know, but just looking quick. Okay. Just, uh, yeah. And and that's not a requirement no. for membership at our church. It's not a requirement. To put, we have men who are members of our church who say, uh, there's no way I can do that. And they're, they're still, they serve in other ways. They serve the Lord. And uh, so, so it's not a requirement. Somebody's not comfortable with that. Don't don't sweat. Don't sweat. It's not a big deal. Okay, uh, I'm going to bolt out of here super fast because I have I have to go to work. So, so let me uh, let me lead us in a word of prayer and then I'm going to. And Jordan, can I you put this camera? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have each Lord's Day to come before you and to, to read your word to your people and to, to pray and bring the, the burdens of our heart and the, the thanksgiving and gratefulness and, and the words of worship and exaltation to you in prayer. God, we pray that as we do this, that, that we would first and foremost be pleasing to you that you would be pleased with what we say and how we say it, that our hearts would be sincere and pure in that, that our prayers would be accepted through the blood of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we pray that the congregation would be served well by our efforts. And Lord, we know that that is, that is only due to you um, helping, you aiding us in that. 
Lord, I thank you for for these men who are here and those who are um, watching this live and those who will come in later who who are serving your church in that way. And Lord, we we pray that you would um, you would grow us, that we would that we would become better prayers, not that we be, become better public prayers. Though we would be, that would be great, Lord. But that we would become better prayers, knowing, knowing how to come before you, and the confidence that we can come, and and claiming the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we desire to be people who who communicate with you. We know that you began the world with communication, and you spoke the world into existence. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be people who better speak to you and better hear your word. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.